The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, everyone. You are listening to the Late Morning Program with Nam Ras, the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world. I'm so deeply honored to have His Holiness Giriraj Swami Maharaj joining me today on the podcast. Thank you, Maharaj, for joining me. Thank you. My pleasure. Maharaj, so uh, you are a very um, interesting and uh, uh, inspiring member of the Hare Krishna community, the ISKCON community. And recently, Maharaj has written a book called I'll Build You a Temple, The Jew Who's Story. Maharaj will be talking a little bit about his book, about his spiritual journey today as well, because I know there's a lot of interesting things in this book which uh, describes his journey and also his helping Srila Prabhupada build this wonderful temple in Juhu. So Maharaj, maybe we can first start off with uh, how you came in contact with devotees and with Srila Prabhupada. Well, uh, from high school, I was looking for perfect happiness and I came to the conclusion that one could not attain perfect happiness materially, but one had to achieve it spiritually. And doing further reading, I came to the conclusion that in order to progress spiritually, one needed a guru. And then my quest became to find my guru. And I would go anywhere, practically, um, at least within a thousand miles of of Brandeis University near Boston, where I was a student, uh, to, to find my guru. But in every case, and I met many, Uh, uh, But in every case, I was disappointed. No, this is not my perfect master. No, this is not my perfect master. This is not my perfect master. And I almost became hopeless. Uh, And then one night, uh, I saw a poster on my university campus lecture Bhagavad Gita as it is AC Bhaktivedanta Swami. So that that evening I had some friends over for dinner. I was vegetarian by then. And uh, we were uh, planning to go to the movies after dinner. Uh, But something inside me kept pushing me that, you know, you have to go to this lecture. And uh, uh, one of my friends, Lady, uh, was very upset. She said, you know, why can't you be like a normal person? Why do you have to always be chasing after these swamis and yogis and she was raising her voice and i raised my voice and then i said all right this will be the last one i ever go to wow 
<laughs> it was prophetic. So uh, we we went, and uh, because of the arguing, uh, we reached late. And the kirtan, it was the the, the last kirtan, and the uh, uh, Sasvarupa Das was was leading the kirtan, and the sound was vibrating off the uh, bare brick walls. And uh, students, like one by one, students from the audience were were climbing up on the stage and joining the chanting and dancing. And I also felt like doing that. But I knew that would be too much for my friends. Uh, so I just stood up, you know, in, in my place and I sort of swayed back and forth. Then afterwards, uh, Satsvarupa announced that if any if anyone is driving to uh, Cambridge or Boston, uh, they they should uh, meet the devotees in, in, in the lobby because the devotees needed a ride. And I was going to Cambridge, to Harvard Square, to the movie. So I went out to the, uh, to the lobby and the first devotee I met, first devotee I ever spoke to was Bharadraj Prabhu. Oh, wow. And he was like so high on Krishna consciousness. I mean, all the other so-called gurus I had seen, all their students were like, pretty like morose and down, but Bharadraj Prabhu was really high. And uh, they started speaking about the Bhagavad Gita. And then finally I said, you know, uh, I have a station wagon and I can uh, take the, the devotees to Harvard Square. So they all piled in. I was in the front with two ladies. One, one was Janava. I'll get to her. And then, you know, there were other devotees in the middle seat and then there were others, including Sasrup and my best friend Gary in the back compartment. So I started asking Janava questions and she answered with such authority. I asked about Yogananda because I'd read autobiography of a yogi. And she said, oh, he's just a shopkeeper. Whatever you want, he pulls off the shelf. And she said, you know, if, if you ever go to his, his ashram in California, you'll see that he has a monument to Mahatma Gandhi as a world peace worker. She said he wasn't a world peace worker. He was just trying to drive the British out of India. He doesn't even know who Mahatma Gandhi is. So she was like really strong. Then I asked about Zen. And she said that this, you know, this world is like uh, a move, uh, what we experience in this world are like images on a movie screen. But if you draw your consciousness back, you'll see there's a light. And then if, if you go further back, you'll see that light comes to a point. And I thought, wow, this is the best 
explanation of Zen I've ever heard. And then she said, but behind that point is a, is a projector. And behind the projector is a person. Wow. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. This is, this is a better explanation of Zen than I've ever heard. And it goes far beyond Zen. So, uh, and I, but I was thinking, you know, she's just a young girl and she's speaking with, with such authority. This couldn't all just be coming from her. You know, it must be from her teacher. So we reached Harvard Square and uh, I, I let the devotees out. And then I realized I didn't know how to, how to reach them after that. I didn't have the address of the temple. So I stopped the car and I, I raced after the devotees. And the first devotee I caught up with was Petit Pavandas. And I mean, everyone I met was like so high. And he said, see all these people? They're just like sleepwalkers. They don't know who they are or where they're going. Wow. And I was just so fascinated listening to them speak. And then suddenly I heard loud honking of horns and I realized, oh my God, I, I left the car in the roundabout at Harvard Square and all the traffic was bad. <laughs> So I said, okay, quick, quick, give me the address. He, he, he gave me the, the address and I went the next night. And um, so Srila Prabhupada was speaking. And uh, at one stage, he, he quoted the verse, Manusya Namsahasri Sukhastivyatiti Siddhaya. Out of many thousands of men, one will seek perfection. And I thought, that's me. He's talking about me. <laughs> and, um, and then eventually, uh, yeah, he, he, he asked for questions. And I raised my hand. I was burning to ask my question, which was, uh, there are so many um uh, swamis and yogis and each one recommends a different process of self-realization and each says that his is the best so how do i know which is actually the best and Srila Prabhupada gave such a brilliant reply he began by asking me what is your goal do you want to become god or do you want to serve god because I was asking, what is the best means? But there's a more basic question, you know, means to what end? Right. And actually, um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll come to that in a minute or two. So Srila Prabhupada proceeded uh, brilliantly to, to convince me that uh, I was not God. And he's, he said, if you want to become God, that means you're not God now. And how can not God become God? And he said, Krishna is God. He's always God. He doesn't have to become God by yoga or meditation. 
and he, you know, he, he's God when he's uh, playing on the lap of Mother Yashoda, he's God when he's speaking the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna. He's always God. He doesn't have to become God. So if you if you want to serve God, and you sow the seed of service to God and water it with chanting, God will give you all the uh, sunlight and uh, favorable conditions to make to make that that it grow. But if you want to become God you're only cheating yourself because why should God help the competition? <laughs> so then, so he, he, he said more, it was, you know, very persuasive, but what really convinced me beyond any doubt that he was my perfect master, I, I, I felt that he was like seeing straight through me, uh, out the out, out the walls of the temple, down the roads leading into my apartment, and he was seeing into my apartment, into my bathroom, where I had uh, uh, posted a uh, in beautiful ornate lettering a sign that said you are god wow I thought, he knows everything <laughs> well then at the end he said so what do you think you want to serve god or you want to become god so i said i want to serve god but i i knew i couldn't cheat him so i said i want to serve but but actually i had wanted to become God. And Srila Prabhupada said, yes. <laughs> so I bowed my head in obeisances and I, in surrender, and I kept it down for a long time, uh, mainly it, it, in the mood of surrender, but I, also I was afraid that if I looked up, uh, everyone who was in the temple room storefront, small storefront, would be glaring at me. Oh, he wanted to become God. He wanted to become God. <laughs> but then I heard sounds that indicated that that that, that they were um, serving food. So I, th I thought, okay, I think it's safe. So I, I came up and <laughs> devotee handed me a plate of prasad. And I think the first thing I tasted was a uh, cauliflower pakora. It was like an wow. explosion of taste in my mouth. And every preparation was just fantastic. And I thought, and the chanting, I, I really liked the chanting. That was another thing. And then I thought everything about, uh, everything about Krishna consciousness is perfect. You know, the guru, the philosophy, the the, the chanting, the, the food, everything is perfect. And yeah, so I surrendered, my search was over. And then my whole goal was to just bring people uh, to Srila Prabhupada. That was my whole life's ambition. So did you, 
were you when you joined were you kind of stationed in in the boston area or were you sent somewhere else to serve oh yes yes that's a very good question so yeah i joined the boston temple and i was in boston for a year and a half and after a year and a half Srila Prabhupada announced that he wanted to return to india and he wanted the number two devotee in each temple to go with him. And I happened to be the number two devotee in Boston. Satsvarupa Prabhu then was the, the number one, and I was the number two. Like number two as in when you joined? No, in terms of responsibility. Oh, I see, I see. I was the, I was the treasurer temple commander and Sankirtan leader. So that oh, I see. Okay. I was number two. So I got to go. Everyone wanted to go and and from Boston I I got to go. Wow. It was certainly a great blessing. And then that's and then that's when the whole um so you were in India and is that when how did it happen where Srila Prabhupada told you uh or he expressed his desire that he wanted a temple in, in Mumbai? Yes. So we went to India in uh, October of 1970. And for about a year and a half, we traveled around India. We didn't have any, we didn't have the Juhu land. And the centers we did have, well, at first we didn't have any centers. And then gradually we, 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 uh, Prabhupada rented a, a house in Calcutta. And then, um, and we were staying at different friends' homes in um, in Bombay. And then, Srila <laughs> Prabhupada, it's like so amazing. So we were traveling, and then Srila Prabhupada had the first Gaur Purnima festival in Mayapur in 1972. He was staying in that straw hut near the entrance to the property, which is still there. Right. Very simple. And um, he, he called for me. And he said, uh, during the British rule, they had three provinces. Uh, Bombay, Calcutta, and Madras. Which do you want? I said, Srila Prabhupada, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever you say. I'll go wherever you want. And he said, no, I want you to decide. <laughs> wow. And that made me realize that, yeah, he was forcing me to come to a, uh, a higher level of surrender to get the answer. Because I had heard that there are three, say, categories of disciples. The third receives an order from the spiritual master and he doesn't execute it or he be, he does it begrudgingly. Second, he receives an order from the spiritual master and he executes it perfectly. In the first class, he knows what the spiritual master wants without even being told and he does it. So I had to like figure out what Srila Prabhupada wanted without being told. 
So from Mayapur, we went to Calcutta. And, you know, every day I would chant in front of the deities. She should have to go in and pray. Uh, but I wasn't getting any answer. And then one day, <laughs> I hatched the plan to uh, go to Srila Prabhupada and trick him, <laughs> feeling where he wanted me to go. So I went in and I said, um, you know, I was thinking of, of going back to Madras. And then I gave the uh, reasons. And uh, without any special facial expression, he said, uh, yes, you can do that. And then I said, but then again, I was thinking I should stay in Calcutta. And then I gave the reasons for that. The same thing, same deadpan, expression same tone of voice yes <laughs> that and by then i got a, the sinking feeling that my plan wasn't going to work <laughs> but i was committed to this strategy so then I, I and but then again i was thinking i should go to bombay and i gave the reasons for that same deadpan expression yes you can do that so then <laughs> I offered my obeisances, but I was happy actually that my spiritual master was so great that he couldn't be tricked by a foolish disciple. But I was still faced with that question. And meanwhile, Prabhupada left. I was chanting, praying, chanting, praying. And then one day I just got an insight that I should go to Bombay. And uh, the my reasoning was that our main program in India was life membership. And if we took good care of the life members, they themselves would make more members. And if we didn't take good care of them, even if we personally went to make someone a member, he might not become a member because he would have heard the complaints. So that was my idea. And then so I wrote Prabhupada and he said, yes, come to Bombay immediately. So I went to Bombay with that in mind. And uh, one day, soon after I got there, Srila Prabhupada held a meeting to discuss who would take charge of the project. And I didn't think I was in con consideration because there were so many more senior devotees than me. So we, we went into Srila Prabhupada's room. He, you know, we, yeah, he was staying at, a, at one of the tenants' homes. And uh, so it was quite tense. And then Srila Prabhupada turned to me and he said, so Giriraj, you will take charge? That was not my idea at all. And, but with my intelligence, I said, you know, if you, if, if, if that is what you wish, I, I, I will do it. But I was really rebelling against the idea because I didn't, I didn't like management. I didn't think I was that good at it. And I preferred to preach. So Prabhupada said, good. And then he said, so, now the whole responsibility is on you. And I thought, 
why is Srila Prabhupada saying that? Doesn't he know <laughs> how hard this is going to be? And now it's like he's rubbing it in <laughs> by saying, now the whole responsibility is on you. But I, I knew with my intelligence that, that Srila Prabhupada knew what was best for everyone. Wow. And, uh, so I accepted it. I accepted it. For, for those devotees who have just joined, we have 115 or 20 people all, all over their platforms uh, watching right now. So we're discussing this uh, book here, I'll Build You a Temple, Jujuhu Story, that Maharaj uh, just recently uh, released and wrote here. So um, Maharaj, I want to kind of ask you a little bit about the obstacles that you faced I don't want to go through the whole story because the devotees can read the book, obviously, but um, I want to talk a little bit about the obstacles that you faced. It seems that, I mean, to do anything in India, it seems like it's so difficult to get things going and like build a temple. Even now, it's so difficult. What to speak of, you know, 40, 50 years ago when you when you did that. So first of all, I want to talk about this very interesting character that was depicted on the Abhay Charan. That's how I was introduced to him. Uh, Mr. Nair, can we talk a little bit about who he was and why he was such an obstacle? Yes. Um, Mr. Nair was a demon. <laughs> I, I should say that one, one year, the verse was like that, uh, Bhagavatam verse in Los Angeles about demons. And somehow in that context, I told the story of Juhu and Mr. Nair. And afterwards, Virabahu Prabhu told me, uh, I don't usually like it when devotees call people demons. <laughs> right. But after hearing this story, I, I agree. Nair was a demon. Wow. And he, he was a very uh, cunning man. And he offered uh, Srila Prabhupada the land. He you know, presented himself as a well-wisher. He offered Srila Prabhupada the land. But he was so cunning that he, and he had done this with one other person before us as well. He'd, and he'd entered an agreement to sell it. But then he embedded within the agreement a condition that he was sure that the person couldn't fulfill because he would use his influence. He had been, he, he was the uh, editor of one of three English daily newspapers in Bombay and he had been the sheriff of Bombay. He's a very influential person. So with the previous customer, you could say, um, he, he, he embedded the condition that the, that the customer had to get uh, the land subdivided. And then Nair made sure that the subdivision didn't go through. And so on that basis, Nair canceled the agreement and he kept the man's money. With Prabhupada, he embedded a condition that, that Prabhupada had to get permission from the charity commissioner. And then he used his influence with the charity commissioner's office to make sure he didn't get permission. And it was also like embedded in the agreement that, you know, time is the essence of, of the contract and we had six months. And when we didn't get the permission from the charity commissioner, uh, Nair canceled the agreement. Same thing. 
and he was planned to keep keep all the money. So there are many, many intrigues. Uh, 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 yeah, Nair had our lawyer. Somehow Nair got our our lawyer on his side, and so the lawyer gave us some, you could say, bad advice. But you know. <laughs> It's like Krishna's greatness is uh, shown uh, in his uh, killing powerful demons. So Prabhupada's greatness was, uh, was also shown by his uh, defeating this powerful demon. And he ultimately, he died during this whole thing, right? Is that what happened? He did. And that's another story. Yeah. He, 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 Nair had a heart attack and died. So one day I was walking on the, on the sidewalk in the, a, a, a part of Bombay called Metro Cinema, Dobi Talao. And, you know, there, there were vendors with uh, newspapers and magazines sitting on, on the sidewalk. And I just happened to glance down and I saw this headline, you know, A.B. Nair dead. And I was jubilant. I felt like dancing in the street. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, is this proper? I mean, we're, 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 we're trying to be saintly persons. Is this how a saintly person would react? So I wasn't sure. <laughs> that's it. That's it. A.B. Nair dead. <laughs> right on the front page. Yeah. Perfect. So, um, uh, uh, Bali Mardan was in Bombay at the time. He was more senior than me. And he said, we have to phone Prabhupada and let him know. So Bali Mardan phoned and, uh, Prabhupada was getting his massage and he sent uh, Shruti Kirti Prabhu to take the call. And what actually transpired is, is in the book. But in Bombay, I didn't know what, what transpired, but we got a letter from Srila Prabhupada that I have received a telephonic message from Bali Mardan that the demon Nair is dead. <laughs> and and he quoted that uh, Prahlad Maharaj says that um, even a saintly person takes pleasure when a snake or a scorpion is killed and Nair was a big snake so basically he was he was approving <laughs> that we that we felt pleasure in Nair's death wow. yeah what, um, Marge, what inspired you to write this book? Because it's, it seems that this is a, it's like a very long and uh, detailed story. So can you tell us a little bit about what was the thought process behind, I know it's a wonderful, I think Srila Prabhupada even said that maybe this should be written as a book. Yes, 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 Srila Prabhupada did. Um, <clears throat> well, Srila Prabhupada struggled to build a temple 
and establish Hare Krishna land in Juhu on the outskirts of Bombay was perhaps the greatest effort of his preaching movement. In fact, uh, from the time he returned to India in August 1970, he spent 554 days in Bombay, more than any other place in the world. And it took six years from 1972, when he took possession of the land, to 1978, when the temple opened. And after the conveyance was signed, he declared, it was a good fight. Someone should write a book about it. Wow. So I served in Juhu as temple president and later as governing body commissioner between 1972 and 1999, wow. raising funds and overseeing every aspect of the project. The only devotee to be closely involved throughout that period. And Srila Prabhupada had already told me in 1971, you should write, this is your first business, and repeated this instruction over the years. So despite my limitations and disqualifications, but with the encouragement and assistance of many well-wishers, I took up writing about him and Juhu as he desired. If uh, before I, we go into more parts of the book, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your parents. What was their reaction to their son taking up Krishna consciousness? Uh, they didn't like it. <laughs> they didn't like it at all. Uh, so as I mentioned, I was studying at Brandeis University in Boston. And... Uh, yeah, Srila Prabhupada came to my university and, and I joined the temple. And uh, it was a big thing, my, my graduating. And uh, my grandmother had two sons, my father, who was a lawyer, later became a judge, and my uncle, who was a doctor. And I was like the first grandchild who was graduating, so she wanted to come. But when my parents found out what happened, that I had joined the movement, they, I don't know how they explained it, but they encouraged, they, they, they told her not to come. So my parents came and uh, <clears throat> the first day they came to the temple, I was, I was, <clears throat> I was in the kitchen peeling potatoes. And my father said, I spent all this money on your education so you could peel potatoes. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, it was, but, you know, they were good people. You know, my father was a man of integrity and he was a lawyer and later became a judge. And whenever there was like propaganda against the movement, he would always defend it and say it, you know, he knew it was a genuine movement. He knew that Prabhupada was a genuine spiritual master. And um, so once, yeah, I'm not sure what else you have in mind to ask, because I could say a little more about this or we could move please. On. No, 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 please. Yeah. So, uh, so 
before Juhu, I was in Calcutta. I was in the Calcutta temple. And my parents came to visit. And I was a little apprehensive because uh, I, you know, I was a strict brahmachari, trying to be a strict brahmachari. And, and Prabhupada said, you have to spend time with them. You know, they're coming a long distance. You have to spend time with them. So then finally, uh, I introduced them to Srila Prabhupada. And Srila Prabhupada, dealt with them so skillfully it was it was amazing you know he began by saying how he used to have a pharmacy in Alabad and Motilal Nehru was his customer and Motilal Nehru told him that he had a son named Jawaharlal Nehru who was useless so he was thinking of giving him to the freedom movement and he he, he was saying how Motilal Nehru was like a made in England man. That Prabhupada would sell the exact same uh, medicine made in India and this exact same medicine made in England, and it would cost much more from England. But Motilal Nehru would always take the one made in England. So, in a subtle way, Srila Prabhupada was working on my father's prejudices. First, that if someone is a big man in the material world, it means he's a great person. And here he's quoting Jawaharlal Nehru, who was the first prime minister of India, quoting his father saying he's useless. Right. <laughs> and then, this, you know, just like the things made in England or the West are better than things made in India. So, uh, but eventually, you know, uh, my father came to the point, which was they wanted me back. Hmm. Uh, they, he didn't, he, he said I could, I could remain Krishna conscious, but you know, I, I, sh I, I should come back to America. And it's also true at that time I was quite thin and my mother was concerned about my health. So, uh, so my father said, yes, my father said that I want to, I want to make a trust for my son and put a million dollars in it, which even now is a lot, but back then it was really a lot. And I want him to come to America to sign the documents. And Srila Prabhupada said, yes, you can send the documents, he will sign. <laughs> And then um, uh, then my father, I mean, Srila Prabhupada could see they weren't completely satisfied. And Srila Prabhupada said, well, all right, let him stay with me. It was October. Uh, let him stay with me. And uh, when I come to America in April, I'll bring him with me. Then I said uh, to my father, just see how intelligent Srila Prabhupada is. When it's pleasantly cool in India, but too cold in America, he stays in India. And then when it gets unpleasantly hot in India, but it's pleasantly warm in America, he goes to America. Right. 
So uh, by, by that point, time, my father was getting really enlivened by Srila Prabhupada. He said, yes, um, your master is very intelligent. And uh, Srila Prabhupada said, well, um, I must be intelligent. Otherwise, how could I attract so many intelligent young men as your son? And my father said, no, actually, you are very intelligent. <laughs> but my, my mother, you know, her angle was my health because I, I looked thin. And back then, people had the idea that if you didn't eat meat, you wouldn't get enough protein. So Srila Prabhupada would always keep sweets on his desk, and especially being Calcutta, he had um, he had Raskul and Sandesh. So he he started to hand, so he, he was handing it out. He was he, he was putting it in my my father's hand, my mother's hand, and he, he said these these are made from from cheese, and they're very high in protein. <laughs> and then he said to me, Giraj, you must eat two dozen rasgulla and sandesh every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on it. I'm not there. <laughs> he, he, he said that. And yeah, my father was charmed. My mother was charmed. And as my father was leaving the room, he said to me, I can say two things about your master. One, he really knows how to deal with people. And two, he's a brilliant organizer. And in my father's value system, those were like the two highest compliments. You know, he could, wow. he could pay to, to anyone. So from Madras, excuse me, from Calcutta, I, I went to Madras. I was the first devotee to go to Madras. And, you know, staying at, we didn't have a center or anything, and, you know, staying at different people's homes and eating lots of idlis and dosas and sambar and everything. I put, on, I put on weight. And then I arranged a program for Srila Prabhupada. He came, he saw that I put on weight, and he said, you should take a picture of yourself and send it to your mother. <laughs> yeah, he, he hadn't forgotten. He was like so kind and considerate. So, wow. Are they, are they still around or did they leave? No, they, 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 they left, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, as I mentioned, my father always defended the movement. Wonderful. It seems, Maharaj, that um, through the book, looking through the book, there were so many obstacles that you faced in, in getting this temple uh, finished for, for Srila Prabhupada. And I wanted to talk a little bit about obstacles. And, and, and did you feel any hopelessness or did you feel any like, I gotta, I'm going to give up or uh, I can't do this myself? Like, talk, talk to us a little bit about your like what you were thinking at that time as being a young person who was told to manage building a temple in a completely foreign country. It's just, uh, I want to kind of get into your head at that time. There were a lot of obstacles. I mean, there, there was Nair 
and he had his allies who, you know, were placed in important positions. But, um, you know, I, I had so much faith in Srila Prabhupada. I mean, many devotees left. And at one stage, Srila Prabhupada said, I mean, I, I don't think I put it in the book, but um, Srila Prabhupada said, you know, Giriraj is the only one who understands my vision for Juhu. And so, yeah, I, 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 I persevered. And uh, I, I, I was convinced, this is also a very important point, I was convinced that the secret of success in spiritual life is to follow the order of the spiritual master and please the spiritual master. Yeah, in, in 1971, yeah, 1970, we had a big Pandal program at Cross Maidan in Bombay. And that was the first time now his holiness radhanaswami met devotees and right. um and his holiness lokanaswami also um oh no he attended the the second pandal so anyway after the success of the first bombay pandal Srila Prabhupada sent to malkrishna goswami and me to calcutta to arrange a big pandal program there which we did and it was even better attended than the one in Bombay. Tamal Krishna Goswami said, you, 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 you collect the money and I'll spend it. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, the, 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 that, that was very successful. Mm. It's, it's, it's just because um, right now I feel like in my generation of devotees, we don't face these kind of obstacles that your generation faced. Like no one's telling me to go to, you know, somewhere to build a temple where it's like and but yet I, we have so many obstacles, but different obstacles. It could be in our own spiritual lives and our sadhana and in what's going on in the world, maybe. So what would you say to to someone of my generation of how to maybe use those obstacles uh, to move forward or how to not feel hopeless or how to not feel like uh, maybe I don't have exactly my spiritual master telling me, you know, as the say, like you said, the most important thing is the spiritual following the order of the spiritual master. But for, for our generation, what would you say is, following the spiritual master's instructions when it's not like go build a temple well uh, you know there are general instructions and specific instructions and Srila Prabhupada is our founder acharya and so we're all he's like uh, you know the the uh, the uh, foundational shiksha guru of all devotees in ISKCON so we have his general instructions in, in his books and lectures and letters. But specific instructions like, you know, build a temple, <laughs> uh, we, we don't have. But Srila Prabhupada did give some advice how to get 
instruction in his absence. Asatsvarupa Das asked Srila Prabhupada that now you're here, so if we have any questions, we can ask you, but what about later when you're not here? And Srila Prabhupada replied, uh, the holy name of Krishna is identical to Krishna. Do you understand this fact? And on other occasions also, Srila Prabhupada hinted that, or, or said that uh, offenseless chanting, by offenseless chanting of the holy name, we could get answers to our questions in his absence. Mm -hmm. And of course we can consult that Prabhupada also recommended that and and it's stated in Shastra, Kalo Shakti Sangaha, that in Kali Yuga, there's strength or energy Shakti in Sangha, in, in, in association. And so, you know, Srila Prabhupada didn't appoint an Acharya, as we know, he made the governing body the ultimate managing authority of, of the entire International Society for Krishna Consciousness. So. Yes, consulting is very important. And Srila Prabhupada said in, in, in an assembly of well-wishing, mature Vaishnavas, we should accept their conclusion as coming from Krishna. Wow. Thank you for that. Going back to the Mumbai story, were there certain devotees that you really leaned on when you were going through all this, I mean, how did you communicate with the uh, people who were the supplying the, you know, resources and the, and the materials? And also, did you confide in any peers and or uh, how was that? Well, when we got the Juhu land, uh, Srila Prabhupada made me the temple president. And Tamal Krishna Goswami was the GBC for India. And yeah, he was, he was very intelligent and staunch. So yeah, I, I relied on him a lot. Uh, but eventually he left India. All right. Went to America and started the Radha party. But, um, and we were a good team. Uh, we, we collected a lot of money. Uh, some... <laughs> Some people would say we're like good cop and bad cop. <laughs> but yeah, we, we collected a lot. First, because of all the legal complications with Drew, we were collecting for Vrindavan. And then when the legal complications got cleared, we were we collected for Drew a lot. Mm. And some devotees you can sort of complain to Srila Prabhupada that uh, Tamal Krishna Goswami and I both are such good preachers. Um, you know, why should we go together? But Srila Prabhupada replied, you know, if together they can collect more than the sum total of the two of them separately, then they should go together. And I think that was the case because we were a really good team. Wow. And, and what was your, uh, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Tamal Kishore Maharaj 
later on and in in your uh did he did you eventually serve together in any uh, actually maybe maybe let's go into after you left uh the service in 1999 in uh mumbai as a temple president gbc then what were you focusing on at that time oh well Srila Prabhupada had given me the instruction to write, you know, to take right. up writing as my first business. But as, you know, as what to speak of, yeah, Temple President, as GBC, I was always traveling and, you know, giving classes, uh, having meetings with devotees. And I wasn't really able to... Um, to write. I mean, I wrote articles for Back to Godhead, but that was it, hmm. about it. And then in 1999, uh, I had uh, heart, uh, I think maybe end of 98, I developed a heart condition. And in 1999, I had cardiac bypass surgery. Hmm. And then I couldn't I couldn't travel the way I used to. Right. Yeah. And then I made my base in um, in Santa Barbara. It, it it happened that that was where I like I couldn't travel anymore. You know, my my health didn't allow me, so I was in Santa Barbara. And uh, I thought, well, okay, this is the opportunity. Prabhupada wanted me to write. And so then one after that, like every year, I would bring out a book first, Watering the Seed, then Many Moons, right. Right. And this final exam, and then the June book, that took longer, that, that took about three years. But I was finally able to do that. So Santa Barbara, it was good for my health, and it was good for my writing. Mm. And... Um, yeah, Tamal Krishna Goswami uh, visited me here. Uh, but I think after, yeah, of course, I, but I, I was still traveling. I, I met him in um, in Cambridge when he was in Cambridge. And um, we also spent time together in India. So, but yeah, I mean, Srila Prabhupada saw us together. He saw us as a as a good team. And in his last year, he made a power of attorney. Uh, and he made gave the power of attorney to, to Malkrishna Goswami and me. Oh wow. Yeah. And there were a number of events in that last year when Srila Prabhupada wouldn't do, do something unless the two of us. Tamal Krishna Goswami and I agreed. So he he um, yeah he he saw us as as a as a good team and um, and then after Prabhupada left, um, you know I, I, we we still did a lot of service together in in Bombay and. Um, you know, he was he was very strong-willed, and sometimes we would uh, disagree on points, and he wouldn't yield. 
But he was also very Krishna conscious and many times, almost every time, well, at least many times, uh, you know, he would, he would chant, you know, like in the morning he would chant very intently. And then afterwards he would come back to me and he would say, you know, I was thinking about what you said. And I think you're right, actually. So, <laughs> so we'll do that. So yeah, his, his chanting is Krishna consciousness. Uh, what was it about uh, you two together that, um, I guess maybe what I'm asking is, how did you work together so smoothly and as a team? Because it seems that nowadays, or even at that time as well, sometimes it's hard to work with devotees very closely and find uh, you know, a common uh, goal or focus. There's always some friction so what was it about your relationship with him that made it like a very, that it was recognized by Srila Prabhupada? Well, we were united in our uh, surrender and love for Srila Prabhupada. And um, I, we, we had... Anyway, I'll, I'll say it, although it's not something I would recommend for all devotees, but there's a system of personality types called the Enneagram. Right, I've heard of that, yeah. <laughs> and according to the Enneagram, I'm a one and he's a three. And uh, both ones and threes are achievers. And but the 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 one is like more idealistic and the three is more pragmatic mm. and um and i think Srila Prabhupada saw that that um tamal krishna goswami's pragmatism was very useful for getting things done but sometimes he might corners when it came to principles but I, being a one, <laughs> was very principled. But sometimes being too principled can also get in the way of getting things done. So somehow the combination of us was good. And uh, uh, Prabhupada saw that and he, he put us together and we, we were able to achieve a lot in service to Srila Prabhupada. I also want to talk about His Holiness Bhakti Churu Maharaj because I know he's mentioned in the in the book and in the later uh, chapters a, a little bit about your relationship with him at that time, uh, as well as in more recent years. Please tell us a little bit about him. Well, we first met in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> the uh, at the Mahakumbha Mela. <laughs> what a place to meet. Alabad, yeah, because he had just fairly recently joined, and the Kumbh Mela was like you know, end of '76, beginning of '77. The so Maha Kumbh Mela every 12 years is Kumbh Mela, and every 12 Kumbh Melas every 144 years is Maha Kumbh Mela. Maha Kumbh Mela, and so I saw him, and I didn't recognize him, you know, so I asked who he was and 
I introduce myself. He tells about that in his book, uh, Ocean of Mercy, our right. first reading. And um, I could see he was very refined and cultured. And, um, you know, after the Kumbh Mela, uh, Srila Prabhupada came to Juhu and Bhakti Trusomi was part of his personal staff. And so, you know, I got to have his, his association there. But even more so in Vrindavan, you know, during Srila Prabhupada's last days. Right. Uh, you know, Bhakti Trusomi took such good care of him. And uh, yeah, at one stage there was quite a controversy uh, in Srila Prabhupada's last days because Srila Prabhupada expressed a desire to go to to Govardhan Hill for Govardhan Puja on a right. boat cart. And the the disciples sort of broke into two groups. And Prabhupada's personal servants, you know, Tamal Krishna Goswami, Bhakti Chiru Swami, uh, Bhavananda Maharaj then, uh, they didn't want him to, to make that trip because they, they, they said, you know, even if they put a mattress on the bullock cart still, you know, there's so many potholes in the road and Prabhupada will get jostled, it would be painful for him, he might even die on the way. Tamal Krishna Goswami said people might even accuse us of killing him. And then the other group was led by Hansadutta Prabhu. And he said, uh, no, we, we, we should execute the order of the spiritual master. It's not our position to question his order or to try to impose our will on the spiritual master. So I wasn't really sure. I mean, personally, I was closer to the Prabhupada's personal staff. But philosophically, I couldn't really determine who was right. But then just after Prabhupada left, I was chanting. I would chant in his, in his room when he wasn't there. That was my practice. And after his left, he left, I was chanting in like behind his bed where there's bookshelves. And my eyes fell upon a new volume of Srimad Bhagavatam that had just come out. And it was Golden Boss, made specially for Srila Prabhupada. And I opened it up and it came, you know, within a few verses, it came to a statement that um, it's from the Damodar Leela that although Krishna is the, you know, controller of, of the universe and all of the powerful demigods therein, he has one attribute. Uh, he comes under the control of the love of his devotees. And when I read that, that to me answered the question that Srila Prabhupada had come under the control of the love of his devotees and agreed not to, to go by Bullockhart to Govardhan. Wow. Amazing. You, and you were there at the time when Srila Prabhupada uh, left this world, right? I think I remember you in the yeah, videos there. I was. I was. 
Can you tell us a little bit about that time, how you were feeling, what was the mood of the devotees and uh and the and 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 the Jew project wasn't completely done yet, right? Yeah. We opened the Jew temple on January 14th, 1978. Right. Exactly 2 months after Prabhupada left. Oh, right. But he all he always spoke to me about Juhu, even in Vrindavan, and he was giving advice about the opening and oh, wow. many details, even from, from Vrindavan. Mm. But um, I mean, in those last days, there were a few significant events. One of them, I mean, involving me and Srila Prabhupada. Yes. One of them, I think it was like three days before he left, I was taking a rest on the uh, terrace of the Gurukul building. And in the middle of the night, a devotee woke me up and said, Prabhupada is calling for you. And I didn't know what to expect because Prabhupada's health was so delicate. So yeah, I went to his room. He was lying on his bed. And he said, so what do you think? After I leave, will this movement go on? Wow. And I replied, yes, as long as the devotees are sincere, chant their rounds and follow the regulated principles, it will go on. And then Prabhupada, you know, in a very soft voice, uh, you know, with, with some difficulty said organization intelligence and organization and i thought about it that yes uh, we do have to be sincere and chant our rounds and follow the four regulated principles for our own spiritual lives but to spread krishna consciousness we need to be organized and intelligence. And so from that statement of Srila Prabhupada's, I, I took it that he was saying that we have to preach and to preach, you, you need organization and intelligence. And then he said, is there anything else? And within my heart, I felt like my heart was screaming out, don't leave you know yeah but i didn't say it i didn't articulate it so is there anything else i, I said no no Srila Prabhupada, and i offered my obeisance but in retrospect i i do wish i had said that mm. anyway i'm sure and that, yeah and then after he left uh yeah. you know your whole motivation was that okay fulfilling his desire that Juhu was built and all and and, and the temple was uh, developed and whatnot but after he left did you feel any sort of diminishing in your say your maybe your desire or anything because the vapu of Prabhupada was no longer there but the instruction was still there but did you feel any any kind of diminishment in your enthusiasm I don't think so. I felt separation, that's for sure. I felt sure. separation. 
But I wouldn't say that my enthusiasm diminished because I knew, okay, now we built the temple, now we have to use it. Right. The yeah. Prabhupada wanted. And it, I was I was enthusiastic to do that. Mm. And um yeah, and, and you know, Tamal Krishna yeah, so after Prabhupada left in Vrindavan, Tamal Krishna Goswami and I and Bhavananda, maybe one other. So as Prabhupada had directed, we should take some flowers from his samadhi to Mayapur and establish a Pushpa samadhi there. Mm. So that group of us did that. Mm. And then, um, then in Calcutta, might even have been his Prabhupada's son, Vrindavan Chandra Day. He was like, um, now you know, now that Prabhupada is not here, who's going to speak to people about Krishna? And Tamal Krishna Goswami looked at me and he said, that is a very good question. But of course, we, we had to rise to the occasion. I mean, not that we could do it on the level of Srila Prabhupada, but we had to do what we could. Sure, sure. Uh, for our listeners, we're going to be taking questions now uh, that are in the comment section. So if you have a question that you'd like to ask Maharaj, please keep it succinct, and I will post it on the screen for Maharaj to to answer. Uh, let's let's look at the comment section right now. There's a lot of appreciation uh, for this interview. Let's start here with uh, Tulsi Priya Dasi. If you haven't already, can you please ask Maharaj about the process of collecting all the sources for all the factual info in the book? Seems like there was a lot of documentation to go through and select for inclusion. Though the book is so comprehensive, it seems like he didn't leave much out. Could you talk to us about that a little bit? Yes. <clears throat> I had a lot of support in this effort from a disciple in Israel named Rohini Nandandas. And he first, he, he, he studied the whole history of the Jew project to become familiar with it. And then he put together what he called collections, which were, which were things I had said on a particular topic over the years, or maybe even written. And I also did a lot of interviews of devotees, and I had some uh, a team that was doing interviews. We had a lot of interviews. And then there was the Adobara's video series following Srila Prabhupada. Right. And uh, and so Rohini Nandan not only got the um, the transcripts of of what devotees said in the video series, but there was a lot more that they said that Yadavari didn't include in the narration. So he got the full transcripts of all of those, and he. Uh, yeah, he, he, he put it all together in what he called collection. So say I wanted to write about Nair's death or Prabhupada's reaction to Nair's death. So there'd be a whole collection, things I had said, 
things Prabhupada said, you know, that we got from the database and um, things other devotees had said. Shrutakirti Prabhu, who was with Prabhupada when Prabhupada got the news. And so then when I was going to write about that, I would review all the material in the collections and uh, put it together in, in, in the narrative. And it reminds me, I mean, I never thought of it that way before, but just now it struck me sort of like how Prabhupada would write his uh, translations. He would, he would look at all the commentaries of the previous acharyas and put it all together and write his purports. Right, right. Thank you. Uh, what is the next book that Maharaj is planning to write? Yes, uh, that will be about uh, traveling with Srila Prabhupada in India before June. I mean, there are two there are two time segments that I have to write about, have to or want to. One is Boston leading up to when we went to India and then traveling with Srila Prabhupada in India before Juhu. So I'm going to do that one first because there's more of Prabhupada in it. Uh, I mean, I consulted different God brothers and um, yeah, some said, well, you should do it in chronological order. So you should start with Boston. But then Radhanath Swami, he's like so sweet and brilliant. He said, well, you've already done Juhu. So now you're doing it in chronological order going backwards. So, <laughs> so I like that. I like that. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Great. Um, well, Maharaj, this was such a wonderful session. My question is, how do you build a relationship with your guru if you haven't met him in person yet? Hmm. Uh, well, the, ma the main relationship comes from hearing. And uh, there's one nice letter that Srila Prabhupada wrote um, in which he says that... Uh, that the eternal relation with the spiritual master begins from the first time he hears. Now, of course, Prabhupada was referring to meeting his guru, but he said, the eternal relationship with the spiritual master begins from the first time he hears. And at, at my first meeting with my guru Maharaj, he instructed me to, you know, to preach in, in the Western countries. And now it is coming to fact. Uh, but that the, the eternal relationship begins from the first time he hears. And, you know, nowadays we can hear without meeting the person. Yes. You know, we, we, we hear. So I think that um, Nidhi, I know dear Nidhi, I think that she can she can develop her relationship with her prospective guru by hearing his talks, um, following his instructions, um, yeah, offering service. She, she could write. Maybe she already has. Write him. Ask what she can do for him, and the relationship can build. Wonderful. 
Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, was there anything mystical about the moment Srila Prabhupada left? Um, I, I would say so. I mean, the kirtan, that was amazing. And um, I, I do describe that in the book. The kirtan was amazing. Uh, some devotees were chanting Jai Prabhupada, Jai Prabhupada, and some devotees were chanting Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. And as, as some witnesses have described it, it's like, it's like the ceiling disappeared and there's this current going from Prabhupada's room to the spiritual sky. Uh, I had my own personal desire that was fulfilled by Srila Prabhupada in his last hour or minutes. I wanted to do some, some a personal service to his Vapu. And I was at the head of his bed and it didn't seem like there was any chance. And then suddenly, you know, a little before he left, he threw his arm back over the, over the end of the bed. And I was able to hold his hand and squeeze it, you know, give him a little massage. And yeah, out of his cause of mercy, he, fulf he fulfilled that desire I had to, to render some service just before he left. And um, yeah, I mean, he was in perfect consciousness. And at the very moment that he left, he opened his mouth as if speaking you know Hare Krishna right and then he left wow uh, Maharaj great Leela Kata with Prabhupada anything you can say about your association with Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj I listened to some of the audio conversations between you him and Tamal Krishna Maharaj seemed very sweet intimate and a lot of glorification of Prabhupada's deep teachings from Chaitanya Charitamrita would like to hear from you your recollections. Um, that question became complicated because Tamal Krishna Goswami and I went to uh, Srila Narayan Maharaj with the idea that we would learn from him and then introduce what we learned from him into ISKCON, but in a way that was compatible and harmonious with what we got uh, from Srila Prabhupada. So it was mainly meant to be like a, a, a private affair hmm. between us and uh, Sripad Narayan Maharaj. And then one day, you could say the cat got out of the bag. <laughs> what happened was uh, Jadurani phoned the guest house at the Krishna Balaram temple and told the receptionist to give a message to Tamal Krishna Goswami and me that Narayan Maharaj would not be able to meet us that day. So that, that was, in a way, that was like a turning point. And uh, and then, you know, there were there were problems. What 
So our idea was, you know, we would get knowledge from him and introduce it into ISKCON in a way that was congenial to Srila Prabhupada. But then devotees were, yeah, the devotees were thinking, well, um, you know, it's good for them to go to Narayan Maharaj. Why not us? We'll also go to Narayan Maharaj. That was one aspect. And then the other aspect was that the, the, that the level of conversation, the topic, you know, Raghunu Bhakti, wasn't really that appropriate for uh, the general devotees. Um, but for a while that became, you know, very common and it wasn't really that good for the devotees, wasn't that good for the movement. And then independently, although there was some apprehension that the GBC would take up the topic in Mayapur, but most Tamal Krishna Goswami and I came to the conclusion on our own before even going to Mayapur that we should stop going because of these two reasons. It was encouraging others to go and the um, the topic of Raghunuga Bhakti, the way he was presenting it. I mean, it wasn't quite, well, it wasn't. It wasn't Prabhupada's emphasis and it wasn't Prabhupada's mood. And it was tricky because, you know, if you if you accept someone as a Shiksha guru, he should be compatible with your Diksha guru uh, by definition. And uh, I would say on, on the very highest level, they're compatible because it's you know, service to the divine couple. But in terms of practicing devotional service in ISKCON, uh, Narayan Maharaj's mood and emphasis were different from Prabhupada's and therefore it wasn't really appropriate for us as devotees um, to surrender to him as a Shiksha Guru or to try to introduce him into ISKCON as, as a Shiksha Guru. So but I certainly offer him all respect and I have great appreciation for all that he taught us and, and, and did for us. Um, thank you. Hare Krishna Maharaj, thanks, uh, thank you so much for this wonderful pastimes. What message uh, you will give to today's devotees to maintain the spirits, the collaboration, the peace that was there at the time when Srila Prabhupada was here? Well, I take collaboration as the key word because she, before Srila Prabhupada left, he said, your love for me will be shown by how you cooperate uh, after my departure. And that cooperation is so important. Uh, and it involves uh, you know, keeping Prabhupada in the center, as he should be. And it involves us um, giving up our false egos and material attachments for, for the sake of uh, Srila Prabhupada's service. There's a wonderful purport in Srimad Bhagavatam 7.5.12 in which Srila Prabhupada explains 
you know, what our mood should be as devotees. And um, I mean, I, 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 I could find it, but basically I, I remember like the first couple of lines of the last paragraph. He writes, everyone should be friendly for the service of the Lord. Wow. Everyone should appreciate the service of others and not be proud of his own service. So I recommend every devotee read and reread that uh, purport because it, it tells us exactly how we should relate with one another. Could you tell us again where you think that is again? Seven five twelve. Oh, okay, seven five twelve. Okay, I'm just I'm just going to note that down. Great, thank you. I can. I'll read. I'll read. Um, sure. Those first few sentences of the last paragraph. Okay. Everyone should be friendly for the service of the Lord. Everyone should praise another's service to the Lord, and not be proud of his own service. This is the way of Vaishnav thinking, Vaikuntha thinking. There may be rivalries and apparent competition between servants and performing service. But in the Vaikuntha planets, the service of another servant is appreciated, not condemned. This is Vaikuntha competition. Everyone should be allowed to render service to the Lord to the best of his ability. And everyone should appreciate the service of others. Such are the activities of Vaikuntha. There's more, but that's, that's the gist of it. And it's, Thank you. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah. It's really kind of like very simple, but at the same time, so profound. Mm. Uh, how do you see ISKCON in 50 years? <laughs> well, um, I see it in every town and village. Um, it, but it, it, it's, it's like during Srila Prabhupada's time, uh, uh, we uh, had a meeting with uh, Srimati Lilavati Munshi, who was the head of uh, Bharatiya Vidya Bhavan. And she asked Prabhupada about the future of ISKCON. And Prabhupada replied that, that as long as my, fa my disciples follow my instructions, uh, the future is bright. And he gave the example because she and her husband, they were, you know, they were involved with the freedom movement. And he gave the example of uh, Nehru and Gandhi, that Gandhi wanted, you know, village organization and Nehru wanted industry which was like the opposite of what, what Gandhi wanted. So he was making the point that, you know, Nehru went against what Gandhi wanted. So Prabhupada was saying that as long as my disciples follow my, in, my instructions, the future will be bright. 
So how do I see it in 50 years? Well, in a way, it really depends on Srila Prabhupada's followers. But I would hope and pray that it will be wonderful. It will be flourishing <laughs> in every town and village. I want to take one last question uh, before we end. We're coming to the end of the time here. Uh, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, you were a university student too, and so am I. With your own experience, what advice will you give to students in Krishna consciousness, uh, in a, sorry, in a Krishna conscious way who cannot handle pressure and stress? Thank you for, uh, thank you from Mauritius. Um, yeah, I don't know how much my situation is similar to Aki Lenz. But it's true, I was a university student and about, well, it was, a, yeah, maybe two months before graduation, I joined. And I asked the devotees whether, you know, whether I should go back and, and complete my education, get my degree or not. And the devotees advised me you should because you never know it might be helpful in the future. So I went back to, to campus and um, I was so excited about Krishna consciousness. When I met my old friends and everything, I just wanted to tell them about Krishna consciousness. I didn't spend much time preparing for finals. Right. It was like a miracle. I literally felt that whatever answers I knew those questions were on the test. Mm -hmm. The one exception, there was a question about evolution. And it, it was an essay question that I was thinking, wait a minute, there's, I'm in trouble here. There's a problem here, you know? But then I got an A on the paper. <laughs> wow. and then I realized that the Defect was not in my understanding of the theory of evolution, but in the theory itself. So it worked out. Um, as far as pressure and stress, uh, yeah, I mean, try to take shelter of Krishna, take shelter of the holy name, take shelter of the deities, and have faith in Krishna. Yeah, don't be... Don't be too stressed out. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, that's all the time we have uh, today. I wanted to thank so much, Maharaj, for you to take time out of your day to come and talk to me and, and for all our listeners. We had about 160 viewers uh, listening over all the different platforms. Uh, I was wondering if you could just leave us with one short um, concluding note or concluding statement uh, before we end here. When he said that, it reminded me of, uh, of, of an interview that Srila Prabhupada had oh, really? on a radio in New York City. And the interviewer asked him, do you have any final message for the people of New York? And Srila Prabhupada said, don't live like cats and dogs. <laughs> but I think my parting message would be chant and be happy. Chan and be happy.
Great. Thank you so much. And if you want to get uh, Maharaj's new book here, uh, I'll Build You a Temple, you can find it on here, thejuhustory.com. Someone posted that link in the uh, comment section. Also, Maharaj has his own personal website, which is girirajswami.com. Uh, it's tickering there down at the bottom. Uh, if, if, if you really like this podcast, please subscribe to it. Please, uh, you can find it on YouTube and uh, Facebook, as well as all different uh, podcasting platforms. Next week, we have, I'm trying to get to 100 episodes. Um, I'm 80 something, 82, uh, and, and by the end of the year, try to get 100. Next week, we have uh, Saturday and Sunday. Sat uh, Saturday is a recorded conversation conversation I had with uh, Go Her Grace Govinda Dasi, who was Srila Prabhupada's uh, one of the very early disciples in 1966 she she joined. So I had a very nice, interesting conversation with her. She's a very interesting person. And also on Sunday, we have um, His Holiness Tripurari Maharaj coming to talk about becoming a Gaudiya author. What does it mean to be a Gaudiya author? So he's going to talk a little bit about that, which is very interesting uh, also. So thank you again, Maharaj, for, for joining me. I really Really appreciate it. And uh, everyone else, please have a great rest of your evening. Uh, Maharaj, please stay on. I'm just going to turn off the live. Hare Krishna, everyone. Have a great day. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.